Sometimes it can feel like food has an emotional control over you. Well, it's time to show your food who's boss with Noom. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Hello and welcome to On the Farm Picture List podcast about all things prospect, dynasty, and minor league related. I'm your host, Lamar Gibson. And I'm your host, Jake Mache. And here we are with opening day, only a few days away, um, fresh off a world baseball classic that I think uh, was pretty thrilling to millions worldwide. Um, today's episode is going to be our official predictions episode, uh, but obviously with the dynasty and prospect bent. So we're talking about breakouts and busts. We're covering rookie of the year in each league and a couple more categories. Uh, but before we get started, as we like to do, let's cover this week in baseball. Um, so obviously coming off of a crazy world baseball classic, but from a prospect standpoint, as we get ready for opening day, Jake, what has jumped out to you? Yeah. So, um, I mean, first with the world baseball classic, I mean, like I had so much fun watching that. I mean, having that meaningful of, of games happening, um, as spring training is ramping up is just, I mean, it was fantastic. Um, and everyone, all, obviously all the players were just like, um, having an absolute blast with it. Um, and so, you know, watching Japan and, and the USA in the final was awesome. The previous game with, with Japan walking off Mexico. And I mean, it was just, the whole thing was fantastic. I don't think you could have scripted it much better. Um, so that was awesome. And then, um, with spring training kind of switching back to that, it was a, it's like a perfect window after the WBC kind of get back into spring training, you know, a lot of decisions are starting to be made. Guys are making rosters, guys are getting sent down. And before we know it, opening day is going to be here. And actually, if you're listening to this podcast, happy opening day, um, because this will be published opening day. So I'm very jealous of all of you. Um, and so a um, few things that have note, the guys that we've kind of talked about a lot on the pod, um, Hayden Wesneski officially named the fifth starter on the Cubs. Um, that's the thing I'm like probably most excited that's about. Perfect um, call by you. <laughs> that's the, the quick little victory lap there, I guess. But he still has to perform, right? The, step one is there. And now it's like, all right, like put it together in the regular season. Let's, you know, take advantage of, of this uh this guy that we've been on, you know, so uh, super excited for him to get that opportunity. His stuff has looked incredible in the spring. The slider is still amazing. Thank God. Um, so that's been cool. But then we have Mr. Jordan Walker, who mm -hmm. I will admit I was probably a little wrong about because I was doubting where he would fit on the roster. Okay. And so, um, you know, it's uh, you're looking at the roster and, the, you know, the Cardinals were super competitive last year. It was hard for guys to get consistent at bats. Um, they did a lot of mixing and matching. Walker didn't make it above double A. But then when we're talking about this kind of new state of baseball, that might become something that's not that's more common. You know, guys not necessarily having to reach triple A. Um, we saw that with Julio last year um, and everyone's thinking, OK, Walker could be the next Julio. It's really hard to have that expectation and not want to pump the brakes on it a little bit, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so but, you know, with the new rules, with, you know, the new incentives for getting guys up and for Walker competing for a potential rookie of the year and everything like that, you know, 
it's starting to look like this may not be a mirage from last year that we weren't just super lucky with a couple great guys that happen to be ready at the same right. time as these rules, you know? Right. So it looks like that teams are going to give their best guys the run. Um, you know, and Walker didn't necessarily have to like be the best player in spring because he kind of cooled down towards the end. They're still, they're still setting him up even though he um, didn't, you know, he had that week kind of at the beginning where he was killing everything. He was the best hitter and then he kind of cooled off and he hasn't been horrible, but had, you know, it's had like, the injury. Had the injury, had, had yeah. the time off, yep. Had some time off, and then, you know, he's he made the team, you know. So um, I think from the beginning, the Cardinals had that as a as a solid possibility there, and obviously they knew more than we do. So, um, you know, it's it's I think it's for, – for me, it's still like, man, like you're, you're – you see the O'Neill Cruz situation last year. Some teams are still kind of hesitant to do it. You never know what to expect. But right. um, I think it's good for – it's fantastic for baseball, seeing these guys kind of come up and actually get the shot out of out of spring. Um, but, yeah, I'll, I'll, I probably have a little bit more to add. But, Lamar, let's toss it to you. Yeah. What no, do you have to say here? No, I, I think you're, you're dead on and, and out. You know, as we're recording this, this is actually uh, later in the evening recording than, than what we typically do. And like you said, by the time uh, everyone's hearing it, it will already be open today. But, um, you know, late breaking news on our end from the from the past, I guess, is uh, Anthony Volpe or Volpe. I, I still don't know how to pronounce it, but um, has has officially made the Yankees. So that's uh, another huge um, impact to the dynasty in the prospect world, just like Jordan Walker. Um, we heard from Atlanta that Dylan Dodd and Jared Schuster both have made the team. Um, so that has some implications as well, at least um, some short-term implications while they're kind of slow playing Kyle Wright back into uh, the rotation. So, um, yeah, I mean, big and small, right? Prospects both, you know, of, of the caliber of Jordan Walker and, and, and Volk, uh, all the way to guys like a Schuster or um, Dylan Dodd, having young guys make the team like you said, great for baseball, great from a fantasy standpoint, obviously, right? We're biased because we're interested. If you play Dynasty especially, right, like you're, you're going to be biased. But um, just overall, it always is good to have some new guys that you're trying to figure out, like, oh, who's this guy? Like you were talking about before, Walker, like where is he fit in the lineup? Um, if if this is a player that's on the team that you're, you root for, you're interested in, you know, now you have another person that you can, you know, kind of claim as your own, so to, so to speak. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, it, it, it's all around a, a really great and interesting thing. And I think the implications of the new um, uh, agreement with the Players Union, like you were saying, some of the incentives that they have, um, it'll be very interesting to see, you know, what sort of manipulation still go on. Um, I'm trying to think, who is it? Oh, uh, the Mets with uh, Vientos and Brett Beatty did not make the roster, neither one of them. Uh, so both would be starting in triple a and everybody was kind of like well with Beatty, especially how what was the thought process there and we kind of got a well we want to still see how he does things and uh I, it was I, like how he plays in situations or yeah something like we want to see more game situations yeah. and i think was it the gm that was saying like oh well if you look at uh arenado if you look at uh, who's the other ball player that they uh riley riley right if you look at arenado if you look at austin riley they, you know they logged 300 400 you know plus plate appearances in in, in the minors and we want to and people are like yeah we'll see around may 1st if if you're how how many game situations you're really interested in so i think mm-hmm. some of those uh sort of machinations will still occur but if they are decreasing um especially because of not just the caliber of player because i mean we're seeing some spectacular young guys 
uh, coming up, but also because um, some of these incentives and, and some of how the uh, uh, agreement was reworked encourages more promotion, um, especially from, you know, spring training on to, to carry these guys on. Yeah, I think that's just all around is is just it's good because the other thing about this is it's not just good. I know a lot of people are talking about like growing the game and stuff like that. What it does is it repositions um, teams in the eyes of fans. Uh, and this is diehard fans. I'm not talking about casual fans because that's a different population. But diehard, like I'm a baseball fan, regardless of what team you root for. Uh, it repositions them to say like, this is another way that your team can actually try to be competitive. Just like when you're looking at free agent dollars and who are they spending and who they're spending it on and how this is another way to say, Hey, we're drafting. Well, we're signing guys internationally, right? These are all ways to bring in talent, free agency, drafting, international signings, and then to develop from the draft and signing guys, develop them up and then give them the actual opportunity these are all indicators to fan bases across the nation to say, hey, we're the, you know, whatever team and we're actually trying. Right. doesn't mean that they're going to be contenders. doesn't mean that they don't still have holes in their roster. doesn't mean that the the rookie that's in, in play, the prospect in play is going to actually solve the issues that they still have. Right. The rookie still has, um, you know, their own sort of bumps that they're going to have to go. Uh, through their their bumps and bruises but it's just it, anything that signals a team actually like caring is always going to be good yeah absolutely um i think that you know there's a lot of with there's a lot of bad blood i think with how teams have historically handled promotions you know and i think it's it's still obviously going to continue like with the mets but any kind of like good graces there any improved relationships with with players even you know in teams and um I think is good. And it's, I think that, that CBA was a big step forward yeah. Um, yeah. as far as like repairing that. So yeah, nobody's looking for like a repeat of like the Chris Bryant situation where it was just like, right. so we're just pretty much, we all know what's going on, but we're just not going to say it. And then you have like the, the, the other side of it, which is like the Jared Kellenick situation was like, Oh, we actually are going to say the, the quiet part out loud now. <laughs> um, and, and so, okay. They, they're admitting it, but, um, yeah, if we can get away from that, like you said, I think it's just it, it makes the game just better overall. Yeah. From an expectation standpoint, what so like now what do we realistically expect from like Volpe and Walker? Um, because it's like you have, you know, they have the jobs that are on the roster, um, not necessarily starting. Um, they're on That's the true. roster, you know, it's not guaranteed that they'll be in the lineup every day. Um, I've seen a big discrep or big like um gap i think in you know some projections for him like eric cross just tweeted yeah. like, today he was like oh like 27 homers 10 steals yeah. 260 yeah that seems like a lot even though he yeah. made the roster it's not like it's not like here's the job and go play every day and you're going to yeah. be on the team regardless yeah, there was a lot of a lot of ad bats that were projected a lot of plate appearances that were yeah. projected it's like okay listen I, I first and foremost i'm terrible at projections so i'm i'm never going to yeah, like, like we don't have a system. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Uh, so and just like yeah, I don't have a system. I don't have um, really. I'll be honest, like the uh, the understanding enough to even try. I tried to make a projection system for um, quality appearances, and uh, like it's my brain started to hurt. Like You're good like, on I you for trying. Oh my God, I mean, I tried just following like this the steps that were out there. Like Fangraphs had a thing from 
during the pandemic year when they had kind of like some tutorials and I was like, oh, let me, this is post pandemic, but I found the article. I was like, oh, let me see if I can apply that. But for quality, all I'm saying is like making a projection system is incredibly difficult. Projecting overall um, when you're like really trying is incredibly difficult because anybody can come up with like the best numbers and just pull them out in the air. But when you're really trying to be like, oh, let me account for this, that it's incredibly hard. So I'm never going to like straight on attack anybody for really trying to project at the same time. Yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of Jordan Walker. I really want him to succeed. I think it's it it, it would be awesome. But like 27 home runs in your rookie year with with the contact issues that we know that he has shown and still like coming off the shoulder injury because personally I think um either looking at his numbers and that discrepancy that we saw from the beginning part he gets injured and now looking at how he finished the spring either there is still some lingering pain or injury there or what I actually think is you know it's it's hard to quantify but young guys and, and you see this across sports. So I think about basketball and even probably football, which I'm less versed in, but just generally speaking, young guys typically aren't used to being hurt, right? Like if you think about, if you're a young person, listen to this, if you're under 30, <laughs> if you're an under 30 person, which I'm definitely not, your body pretty much bounces back, right? If you go do something you're like, ah, I twisted my ankle or I did something weird to my shoulder. And like you, it pretty much bounces back in a couple of days. It's so it it's it's something significant for you to be like, oh, that really hurts. And like I really did something to my body and it's not recovering as quickly as I'm used to. So when you look at something like uh Jordan Walker hurting his shoulder, which is obviously going to be important for any athlete, let alone for a baseball player, let alone for a power hitter of his, you know, caliber, you know, how many shoulder injuries has he had to really deal with in his life? Probably not that many, not, not, not any significant, you know, he doesn't have any significant injury history. So I think just uh, what I'm getting at is there's a mental aspect that I think could be at play as well of just like, Oh, can I still swing as hard as I used to? Or is like, is that going to happen again? Or like, is there still something? So it's just all those little, like I say, kind of unquantifiable things can go into it when you're talking about an injury as well. It's not just, structural damage you know what did he tear strain whatever um so getting to the projection piece yeah 27 home runs is a lot you know i think it was 500 plus plate appearances that that particular projection had him for that's a lot of plate appearances for a guy that like you said we're still not really sure like where is he playing and and where is he batting in the lineup and how often and you know so and again he still already had some contact issues to begin with 20 home runs, okay, um, that would be cool. Uh, I would think more so in high teens, if I'm being, like, truly conservative, like 17, 18. 20, he could get to, if he get, especially gets a hot streak at some point in time. Maybe he starts off the year hot or he ends the year hot. Um, the stolen base numbers, I thought, were kind of high as well. Now, some of that could be, obviously, we still don't know how these new rules are going to work out live. We have seen, I think, the early numbers from spring training have shown an uptick, but that's a lot of noise in that because you got a lot of guys that ain't going to make the lineup that are just like, Hey, I'm just out here trying to scrap. It's late. You know, it's late innings. It's a B squad game, whatever. Give them the green light. So I don't know how much we can, you know, really use that to predict. So stolen base numbers for him, you know, could they be elevated or not? Maybe less so, but yeah, like the, the triple slash was like incredibly high for him. It was just like, 
hey, God bless if 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 he puts up this year. Like, I, I don't think anybody's going to be mad unless maybe you're a Cubs fan. But like, you know, other than that, I don't think anybody's mad. But from a dynasty standpoint, like, no, that's not what I'm anticipating. And then to move off of Walker and just look at Volpe, um, or Volpe again, Anthony, Tony, Tony from from the Bronx, um, yeah, I mean. That's something where I could almost see the opposite, where I could see um, a lot of stolen bases, maybe more so than the home runs. Uh, because I think him, it's not that he doesn't have power. Don't want anybody to, you know, hear me out. Not saying he can't hit for power. Um, but I could see just his approach. And again, depending on how many at-bats he gets and where he is in the lineup and, you know, what pitchers they're, they're trying to get him to face or not face if they're subbing him out late in games or, or however that works. Um, I could see it be a lot more line drive approach, which even with the short porch and everything like that in Yankee Stadium, he could be a, a guy that that rookie year or the first two years of his career, high doubles, low homers, and then it starts to switch where those doubles doubles start to become home runs. I could definitely see that with Volk, um, where he's, you know, off jump 20, 20 plus doubles, maybe 15, 17 home runs. But then you get into year three, he's a little bit stronger, a little bit you know, just overall mature year three, year four. And now we're seeing 25 plus homers and then, you know, the, the 20 something double. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to, to see just overall what happens. Um, if I have Walker, I'm right. There's the other thing too. If I have Walker, I'm riding that wave, all the bumps and bruises, all the ups and downs when he goes on a cold streak and he's like four for 27, he's got a ton of K's and everybody's like, you know, here's the, here's the contact rate issue. Told you that he was overrated. You know, he, he still struggles. He's, he's a big guy. He's really athletic, but the strike zone's too big. He can't handle. I'm riding that wave because I believe in his ability. It's going to pay off. First year might be an ugly year, but year two, year three, it's going to pay off for you. So that's that that's me and Jordan Walker and Anthony, Tony from the Bronx, as I'm I'm going to call him until I until I look at the pronunciation guy from the Yankees. And figure out how to pronounce Volf's last name. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I I think I'm right there with you. You know, it's like we you see the specifically the big seasons that like Julio and, and Witt just had, and even Quan, and um, and so it's like, man, like you know, they could skyrocket. They could just absolutely crush it out of the gate. You know, and even Julio had like that strikeout issue kind of for the first like maybe month he was up, and right. then continually improved and still produced fan still had a fantastic season you know exactly. so, um it is possible to do it kind of in spite of that as even as you're kind of growing having growing pains and whatnot but um but yeah and then you know walker like we think of him as like this huge power guy um like we know the rock power we know the exit velocities and the you know the sound off of the bat you know but he kind of still has to show it a little bit in the game um you know he had 19 home runs last year and 536 plate appearances which is like which is good for especially for a 20 year old in double a okay like wow that's actually really good but you know it's um like we haven't seen like that huge power breakup breakout you know and i think like who i mean julio had only 13 um, home runs in 2021 right. across two levels and right. like seven or six in double a you know so it's not necessarily like you have to see it beforehand but um but yeah i mean he carried isos jordan walker around 200 uh, like 124, 128 WRC plus and high A and double A. And so it's like, I feel like maybe there's a slight disconnect between the results that we've seen so far and kind of the skills that we know him to have, you mm -hmm. know? So 
I think it'll be interesting to see like if he can take that step forward because um, it's a huge step forward. It's like, you know, going up the staircase and like trying to see how far your foot can reach up to get maybe like four steps, you know, you know? so like it's, it'll be a big one and he has the skill to make it and excel, but um, there could definitely be some growing pains um, and the price for specifically for redraft leagues, the price is going to get insane. And like yeah. you said, in dynasty, you would ride the wave and you would yeah. enjoy all the ups and downs and you get ready for some MVP caliber seasons and maybe a couple of years and, you know, whatever. But um, he's going to be exciting regardless. Yeah. I think um, redraft. So like I just finished my second redraft league. So I'm in TGFBI. And then uh, I'm in another league that we just finished the redraft a couple days ago. And I should have looked this up and I didn't, but I'm trying to think where he went in the draft definitely was um, that middle tier. So in my mind, I've been breaking up for, for the redraft. I've been breaking up like first 10, second 10, third 10, right. For, for, cause these are 30, 30 roster spots. Um, so yeah, I, I know that he's been in that second tier, um, that second tens and, um, yeah, if you didn't draft him in redraft, the price is yeah, the price today is not the price it was yesterday. Um, it's it's really going to just continue to tick up unless he starts off cold, and then you might be able to grab him at a discount for somebody who's getting cold feet because again, he's like you know four for twenty seven to start his career with sixteen strikeouts, that sort of thing. Um, then you might be able in a redraft to find a. a manager who's a little shaky and and you know you can negotiate but yeah if he gets off to anything close to a, even a warm start it's just like nah, you can kind of forget about it um so yeah i i, I with that said um it, it yeah it's exciting times i mean it's always exciting when you're right on the cusp of opening day and, and this year is really no different um what we're going to do is take a break here we're going to come back we're going to start working through our categories starting off with our biggest surprises and who we think might be our biggest disappointments. So stay with us after the jump. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com to sign up for your trial today. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. 
And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, and we're back. So the way we have this broken down, we got uh, some traditional categories that we'll get to. Um, but, you know, what I know the people really want is, you know, who's going to be good, who's going to be bad. Like, who who do I need to be paying attention to and who might be dropping? Maybe you're looking to sell. Maybe you're looking to buy low. But we're going to be talking through who we think are going to be, um, you know, our surprises and disappointments. And, and one little bit before we get into the, um, the meat and potatoes of this is, you know, Jake and I, we're 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 new partners in podcasting, right? And it's been going out tremendously well, in in my opinion, at least. You'll have to ask Jake what he thinks. Agreed. But well, thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> but what I would say is, you know, this is a perfect uh episode for us to kind of learn something about each other. And what I learned is my guy Jake is is he he is much more aggressive than I am. I'm a conservative little you know, let me just incrementally move some people around. And I was looking at this outline and Jake was like, nope, I'm going for the gusto. I'm planting flags. I'm talking it up. And I love it. I'm here for it because if it was just my conservative self, you guys would be bored out your mind. So I'm going to turn it over to Jake. Who's your person that you're, you're picking for biggest surprise prospect? Yeah. All right. So kick it off here. Um, as you said, super excited to get going. So let's uh, talk about Mr. Robert Gasser um, with the Milwaukee Brewers. He uh, didn't get a lot of attention as an amateur prospect. Uh, he had an unimpressive radar gun reading. He was his sitting like high 80s with the fastball. Um, in his collegiate days, he was uh, playing at junior college, and then he transferred to Houston uh, to try to get some more attention, and he did get it. He did get it. He performed a little bit better, caught some eyes of some scouts, and was drafted 71st overall by the Padres in 2021. Um, and then he came in, and he improved on a, a lot, and I think you know, kind of shocked a lot of people in the Padres and turned it into a solid trade ship to help get um, you know Josh Hader for that team. And um, you know, he bumped up his velo and he, um, now kind of sits in like the mid to low nineties. And, um, you know, you usually want to see maybe like 94 is like the kind of cutoff for like a good fastball with, with where velo kind of makes a difference. Right. But if you're going to see something that's a little, little lighter on that and you want to see some movement and we have seen him add some run to his fastball, which is, which is, you know, which is going to work if you can get some run, maybe some ride, you know, to kind of keep it unpredictable good shape um i think that can kind of make up for for the uh the lack of velo which is you know allowed him to fly under the radar because you're not going to really notice a guy that's you know kind of finessing and and commanding a low 90s high 80s you know so um he's kind of made that improvement added a couple takes and added some shape which is good um and he has um he added a change up in in professional ball he didn't really showcase it in in the amateurs um and the changeup looks really good he's getting a lot of swings and misses on it um and then his slider i think so what's i what i think could happen here is like he's currently a command specialist doesn't a lot have a lot of stuff that'll blow you away um but he you know has expanded his arsenal. It's a little deeper now. He commands it all well. And I think that he could take off if his one off-speed pitch 
takes a step forward and becomes like a nasty put away pitch. And that's the slider. Um, and I think we've, you know, seen it a little bit so far, but I think if he could kind of, you know, take that, his kind of baseline as a command guy and add like a, a nice, nice off speed offering there with the slider, I think it could go really well. Um, and I think the brewers have shown that they want to like turn him into that guy. They acquired him in the deal and they immediately promoted him to double a for four starts. And then also, promoted him again to triple a for his final five starts um so i you know i think the organization believes in him he kind of surprised some people at houston and then in san diego and then in milwaukee and um you know he has you know shown some decent strikeout stuff as well um he was hanging around 30 percent in uh with the padres in um let's see i believe it was high a and then went to double a and triple a so um, you know, and as he has got promoted, the strikeout rate has kind of taken a couple hits and then the walk rate has kind of t- ticked up a little bit, but, um, he did make very quick promotions, um, there. And so I think, you know, what we'll see is him have a chance to kind of maybe start at AAA since he mm-hmm. ended there. Um, and then, uh, I think he could see some time with the Brewers later this, you know, this year, because they don't really have a super built out rotation. Ashby has some injury issues. Peralta mm-hmm. has a history of injury issues. Um, they're running with like Eric Lauer. Um, and who was the fifth guy there? It's not smiley. Ooh, I see Woodruff, Burns, Lauer, Peralta. someone, wasn't it? I feel like it's very obvious name that everybody's shouting at us right now. I'm not blanking on it. <laughs> I got roster resource loading, and it is Wade Miley. Oh gosh, yeah. So that's not exactly <laughs> going to keep him anywhere off the. <laughs> uh, so it's like right. So it's like we're talking about a surprising prospect here, someone who never really had the pedigree. He doesn't really light up the late radar gun, but he has an organization that obviously believes in him. He's going to get the opportunity, and if you know they need him in the summer, and you know the dog days of summer, I think that he'll you can get the call and we'll, we'll see a lot more of them then when we have a lot more data. So um, I think that he's going to open some eyes this year. I like it. And it's, it's interesting because I um, was aware of uh, Gasser when he was on the Padres, but I thought, especially, um, you know, because he was command artist low, you know, like I said, low velo, I thought he was going to be a guy out the pen. And that was kind of my air of interest. Like, Oh, you know, he might be somebody, you know, of note if he were to way into the bullpen, but you know, Going to the Brewers, always they're they're one of those teams we've talked about in the past that you know from pitching development standpoint you're always kind of like okay what what can they might be able to turn a guy into because we've seen they've been able to do it before, um so it's interesting to hear your assessment and, and see that you know at the high levels um double A and then quick turnaround to put them into triple A they're still starting them and, and liking what they're seeing so um yeah uh, Gassers is if you didn't already know him from that 2021 um season and, and him being with the Padres definitely uh should be on uh well let me ask you Jake this is your prospect you tell me should he be on on watch list now should he be somebody that from a dynasty standpoint that you're going after or you know what what's your sort of valuation on? yeah if you if you know you have the space I would absolutely because like roster him you know I roster him on one of my teams um it's like 50 man roster 12 team league I think the average is like 10 to 12 prospects per team or so I roster him there and I'm completely comfortable with it um he's kind of one of the back end guys in that one so if you're in like a 15 team league and above um for sure I think he's rosterable and if you have like a deep prospect league at like a 12 team level then I think that you could you know if you're gonna take a chance on someone why not so um he's someone who I'm 
I'm already kind of like active in trying to pick them up or maybe include them in a deal or so here and there to see how it goes. Um, and so I think that it could be, it, it could be quick though, right? Like these, the prices change very rapidly. And if you're someone who gets to the majors and you see like the, maybe the stuff plus number that's now on fan crafts, you know, and um, maybe his command is great or something or his sliders popping off. And so it's like, you're, it's going to change pretty quickly. And since he's already had some, you know, five stars at triple a and we'll probably start there and be, any any day right any injury can kind of lead to him being thrust into the limelight there so um, i think he's someone that you should kind of be on before that happens got it got it so uh coincidentally didn't didn't plan this and actually just now realizing this as we jump into recording but my pick also in milwaukee brewer go figure um i thought i was kind of zagging here i thought i was kind of going a little bit conservative because um, this play on the Brewers, um, pretty much, even though, again, as of our recording, I haven't seen it officially announced, but I think it's pretty much guaranteed that uh, Bryce Terang will be the starting second baseman for the Brewers. Um, he's been getting a lot of run in spring training with the the sort of 18, the A squad uh, that they have. Uh, I think they're looking at keeping Adamas at short and then having uh, Uris at third. And they have a, a big Keston hero sized hole at second base um, that I think Terang looks like he's going to jump in to fill. Uh, they have given him a little bit of run, I think, spring training, but also a triple A um, in the outfield at center field, especially. But obviously at the major league level, they're pretty much set in the outfield as it currently stands um, between guys on their, their 26 man roster and then obviously um, having prospects like uh, Sal Freelick. Uh, you know, coming up shortly, uh, if not this year, then definitely by um, next year. So I went with Terrain just because, A, there's the proximity. Like, he's already right there in a major league lineup, so value. Uh, he's got uh, – definitely has improved contact, uh, and he's been able to get into his power in the last uh, season or so. So he's providing a little bit of pop for you. Uh, I don't think strikeouts will be too big of an issue. There's always, a, you know, a curve um, for, for you know, 99% of rookies. But I don't think he's going to, like, completely tank um, your batting average or your OBP. And he has speed, which is always a plus. So I think he's somebody that's obviously, uh, from a dynasty standpoint, you should be interested in. But I would say from a redraft standpoint, he was somebody that I was um, looking to grab. I think I have him in if not TGFBI, I think the other redraft league that I just finished up, I was able to grab him um, in that league towards the end. And he was definitely somebody I was targeting in that sort of last, you know, the last five rounds when you're kind of grabbing maybe some, you know, spec guys, um, some, you know, late in uh, relievers, that sort of, you know, mix and match stuff in a redraft. Uh, I think he's a perfect target in in that space because um, he's shortstop, eligible right now that's his position i think in all leagues he should get that second base eligibility very quickly because that's where he's going to actually be starting so your middle infield um positioning should be kind of good from a flexibility standpoint for your roster and like i said uh you know a little bit of power i think he could get into double digits for homers something like 10 or 11 to start um to start his career off and then definitely he should be able to be um double digits for stolen bases you know i'm kind of anticipating in that 15 to 18 range uh and i think he makes enough contact to get on base in order to steal those bases so um not like super additive definitely not a rookie of the year pick but i think somebody that is um you know is a nice to have i kind of think about and i think i mentioned this name before uh in a previous 
episode this season. But I think about a guy like uh, Tyro Estrada, who just like he's not a league winner in of himself, but he's such there's such a good value to have there because of he does a couple of good things, you know, a couple of things really good for you. Um, he does he's not really detracting from anything. He's got some flexibility when it comes to positional, you know, eligibility. And he's getting every day at bats. So it's like you can either swing him into a trade to, you know, pick up some better value or just kind of let him sit and plug him into your lineup as you need. And he'll, you know, have a two home run day or he'll have a three stolen base day or so. And terrain kind of is a similar type of guy to me where you'll look and be like, oh, he had two stolen bases and a double and a homer. Like, okay, cool. Like that'll eat. Um, and that's coming essentially for free or like incredibly cheap. Uh, and I'm just, I, I like guys like that, especially when you're talking about prospects that can just jump in, plug and play and, and go. So that's, I think is going to be a big surprise, uh, for a lot of people, especially because that plays both in dynasty as well as redraft leagues. Yeah. Yeah. I can absolutely see that. Cause right now, you know, if like, if they didn't go with Terang at second base, it would be like, you know, Luis Arias probably moving over there mm-hmm. and then maybe like Brian Anderson or at third, yeah. at third you know, and it's like. That might sit maybe if they're looking to be a little conservative and kind of see where that initially, but I don't see how that's kind of what they go in the in the long run, right. you know? Because like Arias is doesn't have I don't think the range that's going to be required of second base this right. year, and uh, Terang is I think a little bit more athletic defensively, better defensively, you know? So yeah. yeah. And when you look at what the Brewers have been doing the last couple of years, like obviously uh, they still have some you know some veterans uh, around, but they have been starting to turn things over to a bit of a youth movement, right? So you look at Garrett Mitchell, obviously, um, they were kind of like, okay, we're out of contention. Let's just get the kid the at-bats. And I could see Terrain, again, nothing has officially been announced. I'm not on my phone, obviously, while I'm recording, but um, I hadn't seen it, like, officially penciled in. But I would imagine that they're starting the season with him at, at second. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I would think so too. Yeah. I just did a quick Google search and I couldn't find anything that they've made any decisions on, but yeah, it's like, I think touring has kind of the, the, the lead there for a spot. And then maybe like Freelick or Weimer could get in with the, the injury that they have to, I think Tyrone Taylor and, right. um, you know, so, but I think I, th- I would hope that, that Turing could get a, could get a shot there. I think I would be, I'd be pretty shocked if he did it. So, yeah. so yeah. Yeah. So from surprises to disappointments, um, I've I avoided calling the actual category bust. I know I mentioned bust kind of in the summary, but I avoided using the bust word because I know some people get a little perturbed about calling people bust, and it takes you know a while for you know prospects to turn into solid major leaguers. We've seen major leaguers come from all sorts of different avenues, etc. Cool. So we're saying disappointments, guys, that maybe we expect a lot of and they're not meeting, not going to meet those expectations. So with that being said, um, I, once again, I'm going to turn things over to Jake because I think that this is an interest, interesting name that you have selected. Um, and I, I want you to kind of just talk through the potential logic here. Yeah, so I think what you just said with the difference between a bust and the disappointment is really key here for the guy that I'm going to talk about because, you know, I – when you try to say the bust, it's like, oh, he's like, he's busted. He's gone. He's broken. He's done. He has not lived up to expectations. And I don't think that's necessarily what I was thinking about here with someone who I think is just going to not meet the expectations that we might have for like this season for our timeline that we want to see for this guy. Um, and that's Kyle Harrison uh, with the Giants. 
Um, I mean, he hasn't really received any negative feedback. Like, I mean, he's been one of the best pitching prospects, you know, last year he, um, I mean, he did fantastic and he's like a strikeout machine and, um, his stuff is incredible. Um, he's been talked about a lot and, um, I think right now we're expecting him to make his MLB debut relatively soon this summer. Um, and like Farhan Zaidi has said just about as much that he's going to be in the, you know, in the mix for innings when they need it. And their rotation's pretty old, you know, it's a little injury prone and I'm sure they're going to need it um, relatively quickly. And so, you know, he, we're, we're seeing someone who's entering his age 21 season, who is uh, um, not seeing any innings above double a and, um, he's going to pitch in the major leagues this year. And, um, you know, it's going to be, I think, a bit of a learning curve, you know, because he has the fantastic stuff. He has a mid to upper 90s fastball with good run, a sharp slider um, that also he started throwing a little harder and that's only going to help. And, um, you know, if that slider can kind of sit mid 80s, get upper, maybe touching up upper 90s here and there, good life on the fastball. I mean, he's just, he's likely going to, you know, blow some guys away and and carry some high strikeout rates which is going to be great but i think the thing that might hold him back is the issues that he's probably going to have to work through with his you know command control and and walks um he had um in low a in 2021 he had an 11.8 percent walk rate but a 35.7 percent strikeout rate you know so it's like all right now um, he's missing a lot of bats, but he is maybe working deep into counts, losing some guys, not getting enough chases, whatever it may be. Right. He came in 2022, started in high a and dropped the walk rate in his, uh, how many starts was it? It was seven starts in 29 innings pitched, um, and absolutely dominated high a. And so they bumped him right back up. Um, after he only carried an 8.5% walk rate. All right. That's great. We love to see it. An improvement after a promotion. Fantastic. But then it kind of regressed a little bit. In 84 AA innings, he carried in 11.2% walk rate again. So it's like, oh, okay, like not completely over the hump there. Obviously, it's still kind of a uh, something that he's going to have to work through. Um, but again, he carried a 36.4% strikeout rate in AA last year. So he's still looking at a 25% K minus BB. Um, and we talked about this on the pod before. It's like you give yourself as much of a cushion as possible. Um, you know, when inevitably the, the competition gets harder, you have more room to work with. You know, coming down from a 25% K minus BB is obviously um, still great, even with the walk issues. But um, it's, you know, it's already going to be hard for a 21 year old to pitch in the major leagues, um, you know, coming in for the giants. And when you add, you know, kind of the command and control issues that he's going to have to work through, um, you know, he could improve. I think the guy that I'm kind of looking for, for a comp here, as far as a season arc would be Hunter green. Um, you know, cause Hunter green came up last year was, was really young. Um, and he, his stuff was incredible. And, the only issue that we were kind of seeing, uh, which led to a huge ERA to start the season, um, was his walk rate. He was walking a ton of guys. Um, you know, we saw like the triple digits fastball and like the nasty slider. And um, he's obviously more of a two pitch pitcher there. But, you know, we saw that and then we just saw him, you know, have issues with with the walks. Um, and so I think um, that I think it might be a, kind of a similar situation for Harrison and it's, I think will be, I think will be tough out of the gate. We might see an ERA kind of similar to what we saw with, with green for the first couple of months. Um, and that I think is going to disappoint a lot of people. Um, 
And in a quick note with Green, he never actually carried a strikeout rate higher or a, a walk rate higher than 9.1% in the minor leagues. He was hovering around 7, 8, 8, 6, 9, 1, 6, 7. Um, and then last year he ended up with a 9%. He, he did a lot of work in the second half to get it down. Yeah, after and that's what I was part. thinking. I mean, he was, yeah, he, he definitely fixed some stuff. Um, so now it's like, now we're thinking, okay, is it going to stick? Um, but then, yeah, you okay, Harrison, it's like, well, we're talking about someone who had an 11% strikeout rate at AA. Um, where is that going to go? Uh, it really is hard to kind of tell right now. Like he showed those improvements, which was good, and he kind of regressed. And so it could be ugly. And I think that will really put a sour taste in some people's mouths if he kind of has to go through that growing pains in Major League Baseball when he's like affecting your your stats, you know, on your fantasy team. So yeah. um, I thought the Hunter Green um, sort of comparison as far as thinking about command control um, and how that plays into – uh, the uh, major league debut when you already have uh, not necessarily issues, but um, it's not necessarily a solidified skill for you yet. Um, I, I thought that was, that was pretty astute. And, and yeah, I, I definitely see exactly where you're coming from of, you know, if in, you, you can see a path where Harrison gets that promotion, like you're saying in the summer, um, you know, he starts to, you know, come up and, and he has kind of those up and down, starts like green where you're looking it's like okay four innings five strikeouts but three walks and some you know earn runs off of that and you know just that inefficiency where you're like ah all the good kind of gets eaten away because there's a lot of walks and runs that get earned um because of so many base runners so uh but to your point uh with green definitely you saw and, and there were some articles written like a lot of work put into bring those numbers and, and having that issue, especially with people saying, well, he has this uh, fastball that's 101, but it's a straight fastball. So we know who cares. And just, you saw that, you saw that work. And we always talk about that with, you know, development isn't linear and, you know, it takes time, especially when you're talking about pitching to learn how to pitch at the major league level. So I could definitely see, you know, Harrison, like most young pitchers, but I can definitely see where Harrison falls into it. And this is another good point that you make about, his just youth and in, in pro experience, right? 84, uh, and he's pitched at double A level, um, you know, at 20, 21 years old. It, it's not like this guy is one of the older pitchers that we have. Um, you think about like the Gavin Stones and, and guys that are 24, you know, 23, 24 years old, coming up to 25, have pitched at least one full season in triple A. Um, you know, that's, that's just a different level of experience that you end up getting. So, um, my choice, uh, and again, I don't, I don't know how. Like, it seems kind of conservative to me, but my choice is uh, Brian Rocchio, and I might what I'm kind of, I guess, planting my flag, and I feel bad because it's it's in the negative. But I think he comes out of top 100 list this year. So right, the last time I looked, and and as I was putting this together, preseason, the the couple lists that I saw, like major lists that I saw. He was somewhere in kind of like the mid sixties, I think, for most lists. I think Fangraphs he's somewhere around sixties. Fifty four. Fifty four for Fangraphs. I think Baseball America around somewhere in that same space. I was I was looking off of his his uh, reference page, but anyways, I I think he could definitely slide out of the top one hundred, and if he doesn't, definitely slide like major spots down. Why? Um, this is a guy that coming into last year was flying high like super high had come off a really impressive winter league uh season as well 
where he played winter league ball and was incredibly young playing there and was tearing it up. Um, but if you look from level to level from 2021 to 2022, so he's moving from high A to kind of split seasons. He ended 2021 at double A and then picked it up and spent most of last season at double um, A. And then he finishes uh, last season at triple A with 152 plate appearances there. So as you're watching level to level through these last you know year, two years, all of the counting stats decrease. His triple slash decrease. His K rate does not go up. We don't see a huge increase because that's that's typically what you think, right? Like, oh, level gets harder, guy striking out more, etc. No, K rate actually decreases level to level as well. But line drive rate goes down, ground ball rate goes up. So now I'm starting to wonder how much power is because Rokio's not a big kid, and I don't. He's still young, but I don't know how much uh, strength he's going to actually pack onto his frame. So how much power is he actually going to get into? Is he going to hit a lot more ground balls than maybe we originally uh, thought? And he's very athletic, very good shortstop. Is he a guy that's a much better real-life player than he's actually going to be as a prospect? Because I don't think he's going to, again, just like we were saying at the outset, not saying that this guy's going to be terrible, right? I think he still has value in a dynasty standpoint, but also in a, in a real-life standpoint. But I wonder if... Um, we kind of assumed a little bit too much about what type of player he's going to be. And I could see him, like I said, tumbling down, especially as um, there's some some guys in that, uh, you know, outside of the top 100, but like knocking on the door that could be pushing guys up. And as we're, we've been talking about and we'll continue to talk about with um, teams being more likely to promote, that means our prospect list, when you think about it just from a ranking standpoint, prospect lists get a lot more fluid than they have been in the past few years. So in the past few years, they've been pretty stagnant because guys have been kind of carrying over from season to season because they haven't been getting promoted. But now Gunnar Henderson is going to be, you know, graduating. Like we said, Kyle Harrison's probably going to be graduating. We know Jordan Walker is going to be. These guys are graduating off list quickly and, and you know, throughout a season in, in multitude. Guys start to move up and aggressively take their spots. And I think unless Rokio like really tears it up at AAA from the outset, which could, I don't necessarily see it, but you know, I could see where people start to look and say, ah, shortstop, he's good. Glove is great. Hits well enough, but not seeing the power, not seeing enough uh, for uh, steals wise. He, he, he can still base it, but he's not a burner. So he's not adding a lot of value there. I'm not seeing enough for him to continue to go up. In which case, in, on most prospect lists, that means you start to sink <laughs> because somebody else is coming up to take that spot. So Brian Rokio is my pick from Cleveland. I could see him sliding off of most major top 100 lists by the end of this year. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. You know, the tools just aren't you know quite as as loud as some of the guys that are around him on the list, and the opportunity might not be there. You know, Cleveland has a pretty solidified young middle infield. Um, they even have a pretty great third baseman that'll be there for a minute. They have two first basemen. The infield is pretty stacked. Um, you know, and I don't believe Rokio plays anything in the outfield. So it's like he's not going to, barring some injury or some big trade or something that we can't really foresee, uh, he doesn't really have the the wide open doors, you know, to, to play into a, a role there. 
Um, and so, you know, we also might come into some prospect fatigue there if he's just kind of mm-hmm. taking a little bit longer than we like to see, you know? Uh, so yeah, I think he, he might become a value at some point, right? Like maybe we're talking next off season. We're like, all right, we didn't really see much from Rokio, but you know, he's showed us something and maybe the opportunity opens up next off season or something like that. But yeah, I think that over the next year, I think it's good. It's really, how do you see him? How does he go up? You know, where's the path to increasing his value? I think it's pretty hard to see right now. Yeah, so um, that I mean, that's that's a really good point. Is he could wind up as uh, one of those value adds uh, as we as a as we assess the twenty twenty four season um, to say, oh yeah, remember Brian Rookie might maybe there's something there. Um, so yeah, I, I think it was just he's somebody that I'll, I'll be interested to see how that develops. And yeah, proximity wise, there's there's not a huge value boost. Um, and that's really, when I think about proximity, it's really to boost value. We understand that guys get traded, injuries happen. You know, you, you can't, uh, assume to know what a team's roster is always going to be, but, um, anytime you can see a kind of a clear path, that's always helpful and not having that, you don't see the boost. Like I said, not seeing the increase in, um, power numbers or really just overall counting stats, get a little worried about, and then seeing the triple slash overall just kind of start to fall. Do I think it's going to crater out in AAA? No, I'm sure it's going to bounce back. But does that bounce back look like a 240-250 hitter? Or is it back into a 260-270 hitter from a batting average standpoint? I think that makes a major difference there. Uh, Because, yeah, if he's a 240s guy and he's hitting, you know, 16 home runs at AAA, that's cool. Um, That can play, again, you know, with his defense on some team i'm sure they'll take you know would, would love to take them because they they have an aging shortstop or you don't really have a true shortstop at all but again that's from real life standpoint from a um dynasty from a fantasy standpoint that's a guy that you don't want to pay the brand name for that sort of production i can probably find if that's the production that we get from a brian rocchio uh this season i can probably find a pop-up guy that's doing the same thing for way cheaper the price because that's what you're going to be paying for if you try to trade for rokio as of right now you're paying for that name and where he's been ranked thus far um not necessarily the production or the projected you know production so with that being said uh we're going to move into what i am always interested in and this is it's kind of in line with talking about rokio um the post-hype breakout so if you guys are um, listeners from last season, you remember I did an episode that was the sort of post-hype starting nine. And we went through, just kind of looked at guys that were outside of the hype cycle. They they had been talked up, we waited for them, they kind of spiked, then they sort of dropped off either through injury, prospect fatigue, um, or just stalled development. And now they were kind of in that, 23 24 maybe 25 year old season still have some prospect status technically because they were either still in the minors or or still kind of you know minor league eligible but you know is it ever going to really happen for them and so we talked through that as a starting nine so I was thinking about that um phenomena as I put together this category I thought your name was interesting because I don't I wouldn't have put this person and it's funny because this person comes up for me later i wouldn't have put this person in post hype but i think i understand where you're coming from so i'm going to throw this one to you so you can talk us through your pick 
Yeah, so I picked someone who's a little bit more advanced. Um, and like you were saying, you know, kind of maybe who's some prospect fatigue. I think I was surprised he's even still prospect eligible. Um, but then my guy's Josh Young on the on the Rangers, the third baseman there. And he shouldn't be prospect eligible right now if you're just looking at his like minor league career arc. But he had that uh, shoulder injury last year. He was We were talking about him breaking camp, you know, potentially with the yeah, team. And, he, he pretty uh, much had the job. Like yeah, right. Right. And but then he had that horrible shoulder injury he took. We didn't know if he would even be back at all last year. He came back and had 208 plate appearances across Triple uh, A and uh, MLB. Um, and he had a lot of, I think, issues coming back from that injury. Like, you know, like you said, with these young guys who maybe not haven't, uh, you know, haven't had this experience before. Um, it's tough to adjust, you know, and he's someone who never, never had a strikeout issue really in in the minors. Um it got, uh, for the most part, stayed around like low 20s. Uh, yeah, 2021, it was 22.6 and 21.8 in AA and AAA. Um, you know, so that's not exactly concerning. You know, someone's like, oh, maybe he hits the majors and it's like 24. And um, if he's a power hitter, he can kind of get away with that, you know. But he also posted fantastic WRC plus numbers. You know, it was in 2021 and it was 140 in AA and 166 in AAA. Um, and so, um, never really had that issue with contact. And then he came back from the injury and in AAA struck out 28.3% of the time. And then in MLB, oh boy, 38.2%. Um, and so he looked, you know, he didn't look really great. Um, he obviously was still adjusting, um, still got to some power. Um, but it's really hard. His, you know, batted ball profile is really interesting. And I think it's, again, kind of goes back to, the injury and um, not being consistent, maybe not comfortable with like how his body was performing and working back from that, you know, but um, like he had a 10.2% barrel rate, which is good, which is really good in a, in a small sample um, that you like to see that um, from a young budding power hitter. Um, but then he had an 85.5 average exit velocity and you're like, Ooh, something's happening there uh, with small samples again, you know? So it's just kind of like he's, he's hit some ball, really some balls really hard. He wasn't consistently hitting the ball hard. Um, you know, it was kind of all over the place there. Um, don't really know what to expect. And, um, actually his funny, um, thing I found here, just looking at his savant page, um, or no, this was on the pitch list page. I saw this, but his ex expected Woba on contact, um, which is one of my favorite little fun stats to look at. Um, just because it's, it's a fun, it's like, it's such a ridiculous ex Wobacon. Like, what is that? But you know, there's like, okay, like when he makes contact, what is the expected outcome? Like essentially, you know, cool, great. Uh, 98th percentile last year as a 487 X Wobacon. That's ridiculous. Um, and again, small makes, sample. If he makes contact. If, exactly. If he makes contact, small <laughs> sample. You can't really take anything from that. But you have a mixed bag of batted ball results. You have like, oh, he crushes the ball. Oh, he shanks the ball. You know, and it's kind of what you would expect from not only the sample, but coming back from the injury. Um, and this spring, he has cut down on um, on the strikeouts a lot. Let's see. It was seven strikeouts in 52 plate appearances. Oh man, I was going to do the math. What's that strikeout rate? Uh, Mark, do you have any guesses? Do you have just like a, a math brain? That's like seven out super of 52. I, sh- I should, I mean, five out of 50 is what? I don't know. 10. <laughs> it's 10. Well, I don't know. Somewhere around that, somewhere around All right. that number, right? 13.5. 13.5 percent so i mean like it's it's spring training again small math samples corner. math corner with <laughs> um but hey you'll have to see it 
because in a small sample last year, he was horrible in strikeout rate. In a small sample this year, he is a heck of a lot better. So um, I think it'll obviously fall in the middle. I mean, that's the, the easy answer there. But I think if you're looking at someone who could hit 20, 24% strikeout rate, I think those contact issues that we saw last year will kind of fall by the wayside, especially if he shows more consistent, you know, loud contact. Um, and I think that I think that he will. I absolutely love him for that possibility. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, so I, I, like I said, I, I hadn't thought of Young as being post-hype because, to me, um, knowing that he was still uh, minor league eligible, to me, I was like, oh, well, his season got wiped because of the injury. So I was still thinking of him, you know, just like, oh, minor league guy. But I kind of had forgotten, like, his season was wiped, but that season was one that we anticipated him being a starting, like, this time that year, we thought right. the Rangers right. had their third baseman of the future. So I kind of had forgotten that part, which makes complete sense. So walking through that, I like it. post uh breakout again. Josh Young will come up later in the podcast. Uh, so I cheated because I have two. I have one that's like a no, it's starting to become maybe a no duh based on his spring training uh, numbers. And I'm really hoping because I have them in one of my leagues that, it is this obvious. And then one is uh, it's kind of a soft breakout <laughs> that, I'm, that I'm sort of uh, projecting or, or speculating on. So the obvious one or the sort of no-duh one is Reed Detmers, um, who's looked phenomenal this spring training, uh, ended last season quite well. Uh, and, and, you know, we kind of know the the story of Detmers, I think, by now was drafted uh, young pretty much got rushed through the the, the angel system um and and made his major league debut probably well before he was ready really got lit up got roughed up uh quite a lot and then going even, even into last year where he was he had a roster spot if nothing else because the angels really didn't have anybody else to pitch um you know better than him uh in their rotation and continued to get roughed up for for the better part of um the beginning of 2022 obviously he did throw a no hitter that was awesome uh but then he got roughed up some more right after that so it's kind of like what what's going on with that Mersin and how can he get better um he got demoted to triple a as story goes triple a coach saw him said hey something's, something's up with the slider let's throw the slider more let's throw it a little bit more uh, accurately a little bit more uh, efficiently I should say uh, he had some really good starts I think two or three um, really good starts with uh, the Salt Lake City Bees which is the AAA affiliate for um, the Angels and then they bring him back and it was just about night and day like he just looked a, a lot more confident was a lot more efficient and it starts saw the strikeouts tick up which was always the issue was hey he's got the stuff but the strikeouts aren't there Strikeouts ticked up, walk rate started to uh, decline. Um, and then, like I said, coming into this season or coming into spring training, at least, what we've seen thus far is fastball velo has popped up a couple points. Slider velo, velo has popped up a few points. So now he's throwing the slider even harder. Now the fastball, um, instead of sitting 94, I think he's been sitting closer to 96. Uh, and, and it's been ranging from like 95 to 97, I think the reports were. So i'm i'm in obviously i I haven't rostered him in the home league so i'm super interested but i think this is a guy who um if it's coming together like this for him i'm not going so far as to predict down ballot cy young votes but like whatever the next level is under that like i'm not going to be that bold 
But the next level under being that bold, that's how bold I am. <laughs> so maybe not down ballot Cy Young votes, but like All-Star, yes. I definitely see him like making the case to be an uh, uh, All-Star. Um, All right. Okay. Yeah, I can see yeah, that. That's I, awesome. I, I'm, I'm in on Detmers. I'm hoping I'm right. My soft pedal, the guy that I'm kind of like, ah, I think he, he definitely fits the mold as far as like the hype cycle of a prospect. I don't know from a performance standpoint how this is going to work. Uh, Christian Pache. Remember him? Yeah, Christian Pache. Really great defender. Can't hit a lick. Yeah. Um, he's on the A's. Obviously, he made his major league debut with the Atlanta Braves where he was, it was him and Drew Waters before we even knew who Michael Harris the second was. It was supposed to be those two that were really, or Vaughn Grissom before we knew who those guys were. It was really supposed to be Waters. And um, Pache that we were hearing about in the outfield of the future for the Braves obviously didn't really pan out for either one with the Braves system. Both got traded. Uh, with Pache, he ends up with Oakland. Uh, still could not hit a look really at all. Technically speaking, his numbers have improved year over year. Some of that is just based on like sample size. The volume has gotten greater. He's gotten more at-bats as he's become more of an everyday starter. But the numbers are still very ugly. He's, uh, the batting average was under 200 last year on base percentage is under 300 i'm pretty sure uh he does he just did not hit the ball hard enough to do much of anything so what am i talking about here well his spring training has looked a lot better um made a lot better contact uh walk rate still isn't great uh strikeout rate isn't wasn't horrible and again this is just looking at spring training numbers um but i'm interested simply because again he's going to get he's still quite young I think he's 22, 23 years old, so he's still pretty young. Um, he's going to get the playing time because, again, he plays for the A's. It's not like they got a bunch of guys to run out to, to take him over. Most of the guys that they have um, are either there and play a different position or still probably a year or so away when we look at um, some of the guys I mentioned previous pod, like Lawrence Butler, Denzel Clark. I, I think they're still like a year away before they really start to push into the Oakland A's outfield. So he's going to get – you know, I think at least the first couple of months, the majority is playing time. He still plays the outfield very well. So from a defensive standpoint, that's going to help hold him down. Uh, what to expect from him? Again, I don't think this is going to be like, oh, now he's going to come in and hit 25 home runs all of a sudden. But I think, A, I think his batting average will improve. I think the OBP will improve. I think he'll steal enough bases for you. And that's really where I kind of see some added value that he'll be able to get into double digits for stolen bases. He'll get on base enough to get into double, uh, double digits for stolen bases that I think at the bottom of your lineup, that's where it could be additive of like, hey, look, for cheap, for $0, I found a guy that can give me 10 to 12 stolen bases. Why not take that? In a redraft, no, I'm not touching them. Um, there's, there's really, even with the stolen bases, you could probably still find that elsewhere unless you're in a very deep redraft league, um, which, okay. Uh, but in a dynasty, I, I'm in, I'm still in a wait and see. I'm not picking him up right now, but I'm waiting to see the first, you know, we two weeks, maybe first month of this, of the season, get some more stat cast data. Cause that's the other thing is I couldn't find is like how hard he's been, what his EVs have been in the spring training, but I would like to see some of the EVs come in if they've ticked up from what his career has been. All of a sudden, I'm interested, right? Maybe something has happened mechanically or just mentally or something where now he's hitting the ball hard enough because he's athletic as all get out. So that was never in question. Um, 
and yeah, Christian Pache. Who knows? Soft pedal. This is soft pedal. All right. I mean, you were talking about being conservative. I think that's a is that pretty. Spicy? I think that's. I think that's a spicy that's one. Spicy? There. Okay. That, Christian Pache, just a little little spice on yeah. it. Pache yeah. All right. Spice. Um, yeah. So let's do this. Let's take a break. We're gonna come back. We're gonna talk through our top pitcher and top hitter to end the season with. So essentially, the the folks that we're thinking are gonna be like within the top three of prospects overall. And then we're going to talk about rookie of the year. So if you're a gambler, you may actually want to ignore that part because we don't know what we're talking about. We're not gamblers. No, um, pitcher, top pitcher, top hitter, AL and NL rookie of the year after this break. Eating is an emotional experience, which is why managing your weight needs to be a psychological one. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Start taking control of your weight management and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Most weight loss programs are short-term fixes, but the problem is managing your weight needs a long-term solution. And that's what makes Noom different. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight today and in the future. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain, and they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Start taking control of your weight management and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, so we are back. We're going to... Um, finish things off like I said we're talking top pitcher top hitter uh, I'm going to go first to talk through top pitcher that I think by the end of 2023 um, and that is going to be one Brandon Fott of the Arizona Diamondbacks uh, I, I've talked about Fott before obviously we had Richards on to, to talk through Fott and we always talk him up uh, I'm just a fan, and I think he's he's right there on the cusp. Again, as of this recording, he had already been demoted to AAA, so did not break camp with uh, the Diamondbacks, which was, I think, uh, somewhat surprising um, for some people. But I think uh, I think he definitely will be playing in the major leagues. He will definitely be pitching major league innings um, very soon, probably I would say by May, um, just based on the uh, the Diamondbacks' overall rotation, and I think if he doesn't graduate uh, from being a prospect, which I guess is the caveat, um, if he doesn't graduate, I think he ends up being the number one pitching uh, prospect 
going into 2024. Uh, Jake, any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I think especially we, we talked about it before how he's handled the the PCA and and how he looks. Um, yeah, it's you know there's going to be there's a lot of competition in the rotation, and I don't think he's going to be someone that uh, that goes away lightly. Um, but yeah, no, I could definitely see that because he's and he's taking huge steps forward because he wasn't exactly on top of lists, you know, recently, you know, going into this season throughout the season. So um, I think he really opened a lot of eyes, and I think you know seeing him kind of take even more steps forward is, is definitely plausible. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So what about yourself? Who do you have? Um, maybe this is your conservative nature showing up. Who do you have as your top pitcher? Yeah, I think, uh, I think by default, it's kind of, I mean, it's going to be painter. It's hard to go against him just because like he'll, he'll still have prospect eligibility. I don't see him coming back from, uh, the injury and you know kind of ramping up again because like even if he doesn't like let's say he doesn't need surgery hopefully he doesn't need surgery um he's going to be out for a little bit and i think the phillies will probably take their time to get him ramped up again um and they're I, you know i it's, if you're coming off shoulder or if you're coming off uh, the arm injury there i don't think you're going to necessarily rush him or ask him to eat a lot of innings um be like a big guy for them down the stretch i think he's going to be um maybe more situational um i don't think they're necessarily going to like lean on him and so it's good i think it's gonna be tough for him to break this prospect eligibility and so i think he's going to be in a similar position to like what we currently see grayson rodriguez as where he's still here he probably shouldn't be here um he had kind of the injury that set him back a little bit and we just know he's going to be the best prospect you know young pitcher in baseball you know so um so yeah i see painters being that guy but um if he does get his you know eligibility if he does pitch more in the majors um i think the kind of next ones up are like tiedemann and yuri perez um i don't think either one of them there i think there's a lot of people that want them to get more innings this year in, in the majors but i still think they're a little too young and um won't see 50 innings pitched either um, so, um, I think they'll probably still be on, on lists and if I've thrown a dark horse candidate out there, um, I think it could be Owen White who makes like some pretty huge strides. Um, he's, uh, been, you know, really good. He's had really good command, shown some good stuff. He has, um, I just saw a video on Twitter from, uh, Scott Lucas and, um, you know, video of Owen White on the backfields at 10 at, the the Rangers camp and you now his fastball sits like 93, 95 slider sits in 87, which is fantastic. Um, adds in a curveball and a changeup. Um, and you know, his slider, I think is going to be a really good wipeout pitch. It's got a lot of depth, uh, not necessarily like a, a sweeper, like, like West Nesky, you know, but he's got a good depth slider, but that's hard, you know? So I think that's going to be great. And that fastball, if he can kind of consistently keep it like mid nineties and, um, you know, so he, you know, struck out a ton of guys last year. Um, didn't have like a walk issue. Uh, K buys BB over 20. And um, I think, you know, he's a little older. He's not exactly like that stud prep prospect that came through and he's going into his age 23 season. So maybe he's someone kind of like a, like a fought who kind of comes out of that's not necessarily out of nowhere, but out of kind of the back end of like 200 lists or so and kind of comes up and, and makes some noise and, you know, going into the next season. Um, Cause yeah, even like his workload, I think is going to be a bit better going into next year. He threw uh, mm-hmm. about 80 innings last year. 
Um, so if he throws maybe 100, 110 this year, he sets himself up to throw, you know, 140 next year or so. And um, kind of similar situation, like I said, with Fott. So um, I think Owen White could make some strides there, but I think I'm banking. Yeah, I mean, being, being Painter, obviously, the logic makes complete sense. Um, I think Tiedemann, is, a lot of people are high on him, and, and rightfully so. I'm a Yuri Perez fan, and I, I definitely think Yuri Perez is high up there. I'm I'm hoping that Perez breaks into the – Marlins rotation as I mentioned before so somehow he like breaks in and then also uses up his eligibility so he doesn't count um but I think that that makes complete sense um I have white in my home league and and I'll be honest I have white I like him my concern overall with him as a prospect is um those two things that you had highlighted which is workload and and the fastball velo I think he pitches well I don't know. I mean, again, we're going into his age 23 season and we've already had um, shoulder surgery, broken hand, pinched nerve, like inflammation thing now with the neck that he had in spring training of this season. Um, So it's always like there's always something which you never like to see with any prospect, but especially not a pitcher. And so I think like getting to that hundred innings pitch, that in of itself is kind of like, just do that. <laughs> like, can you just do that fair. in a season and I'll be yeah, happy? Fair. Um, And then the velo is just, I. That, what I'll say is this, I think it's effective enough for him as a pitcher. Um, I don't know if it's enough for him in a fantasy environment, right? Because, like, it's very rare to see a guy that's sitting in that 93, 94 range be able to get into even a top 10 for prospect because there's going to be somebody who's throwing 100. Um, and it's just lighting lighting up radar guns. Even if they're, even if they even if they are a less experienced or a worse pitcher than what White might be, just from a hey, look at the raw stuff, the sort of raw materials piece. But I think I like it. Like if you're right, I'm not going to be mad at it. Obviously, so I think that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I can't argue with it there. I think it's going to be, you know, it's easy to be like, oh yeah, well, if he threw yeah. eighty last year, he could throw one hundred and ten this year, he like I said, you know. But then 80. it's like, well, there's a lot <laughs> of other things that go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's he. So yeah, I think that if he could, you know, put it together, I think this. I think I'm really yeah, interested yeah. in the slide yes. watching yeah, watching definitely. that video yes. of that, and um, you know, at that point, like, yeah. I, I think that's working off that is. It's always interesting to see the velo gaps or like the velo differences on like a scale, you know, if like because he throws his slider really, really hard. It'd probably be like I don't like 90th percentile with 80 if he hits 87 on it. Um, but then right. with the fastball is like solid, you know, um, I was really curious, like how like with the grips or, you know, so anyway. But um, but yeah, I think, yeah, rely on Painter and maybe get a little boost from uh, from Owen yeah. White. if you take. I, I think Painter is a good call. Know? I like. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm a fan of five, but even even when I was putting that down, I was like five over and, and looking at who you have, like oh, five over Perez, that would be a jump. Uh, I think five over Tiedemann, I think, is less of a jump in my mind just because Tiedemann, it, it kind of goes both ways. He's very young, which obviously helps in projection, but also he's very young uh, as far as pro experience. So, like, uh, I think I was just reading that they're pretty sure that he's going to start at double a, like, which makes the most sense, but like he doesn't have a double a season fully under his belt and fight. Obviously we're already talking about him, you know, essentially being a major league starter or right on the cusp. So I could see him kind of leapfrogging Tiedemann, but Perez already does have the double a season, um, triple a season from last season. 
uh, yeah, I'm starting to think maybe maybe I should have gone with Yuri Perez, but whatever. It's it's out there. It's in the ether. Brandon Fott. Um, let's talk top hitter because this is the one I wanted to get to. You're gonna make a lot. You're gonna make a lot of noise. Let me put it like this with your pick. Um, I'm gonna go first. Actually, I'm gonna drum up the the drama a little bit because mine is is kind of I think a little bit uh, obvious or it's, it's a little bit more obvious maybe. Uh, so I went with Jackson Chorio, uh for the Brewers. Uh, and, and again, when we're talking about top pitcher and, and top hitter, just to contextualize, we're pretty much talking about guys that are going to end up in that top three of, you know, prospect list by the end of this season or to start 2024. So I, I'm essentially saying, like, to start 2024, I think Jackson Churio is going to be number one overall prospect. I think with the graduations that we're going to have uh, and what he's done, I, I if he stays healthy and he does – anywhere close to what he did last year. I just don't see how it's not him. Um, again, unless like some of the guys that we have above him get hurt and are still like prospect eligible or something. I just don't see. He's kind of undeniable at this point. It's, it's again, it's very Julio Rodriguez esque energy of just every, every night. It's a highlight reel, you know, it's, it's a catch. It's a throw. It's a steal. It's a homer. It's something that this guy's doing that's electric. Um, so yeah, I don't have a lot of stats to throw at you guys. It's just he he sort of has that uh, genesis quads they might say. Um, I think he he comes into twenty twenty four as your number one overall. Yeah, I mean it's hard hard to argue with that. You know, like you said, it kind of speaks for himself what he's already done. Um, so yeah, I mean I'm not gonna make the case against it, but yeah. I will give my the name yeah. of my guy that I it think is going to be up there. Um, We've talked about him before a little bit, a bit of a post-hype guy, and I think it's going to be Jason Dominguez. I don't see how his profile differs so drastically from, you know, Jackson Churio or James Wood that it's, you know, so far out of the blue. You know, similar ages, similar experiences, um, similar tools. And right now, you know, Jason Dominguez is going in a lot later on um, on rankings. You know, he's... I think he's depending on the person, but let's see. Fangraph has him as fifty. That's what I was going to guess. It's probably like you know mid one hundreds. So, so um, you know we're talking about someone who is like way far beyond or behind these guys in current rankings. But I think that the general, just like the raw skills and even the results that we've seen, aren't that far off. Um, you know, we've I've gone through his his whole profile on this show before, so I won't hit you over the head with it, but. Uh, you know, just looking at like his WRC plus as a 19 year old in low A and high A was 134 and 145 uh, for Dominguez. J. Centurio at low A and high A as an 18 year old, 160 and 119. Um, you know that I think Churio has kind of like that that ceiling they shown. Like 160 is a, is a big number. Um, you know, but it had like a little bit of trouble adjusting. He was also younger than you know Dominguez is now, so it's hard to go apples to apples there. Um, but Dominguez is a, he was playing a double A as a 19 year old at the, the end of the year, you know, 22 plate appearances, you know, but, um, he'll get his at bats at double A this year and he'll be, uh, he'll be 20. And I think going into next year, um, like we were just talking about Walker who never played above double A and now he's making the major league roster. Like Julio did it last year. We're talking about this new crop of guys that make it possible. Um, do I see that happening with Churio? Um, I could, it would be, he, you know, he has the talent, I think, to, to make noise there. Um, but I think it's maybe more likely with 
with Dominguez, um, just because maybe he's a little older. And, so I think that he'll get a lot they, of hype. You think and, they did it the, they just did it with Volpe. They just did it with Volpe. <laughs> so I mean, regardless, um, regardless of situation, that's getting a little situational, you know. But like he was hailed as the next like Mike Trout or whatever. But like, what's really changed since then? He he didn't um, he didn't post like I guess the Mike Trout numbers in in the low minors. But we're still one forty five WRC plus and high A is still great. Um, and then get just getting to double A and. I'm really excited to see what he does there because if like if he can post a 150 plus like where he's kind of yeah. trending like yeah. he's there he's a top five you know um, and I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility um, you know he's kind of he's worked on his strikeout numbers he's shown some d- decent game power I think he's going to show that more this year um, so yeah I don't think this is you know something it's you know with where we're seeing him right now it seems a little crazy but like what like what raw That's skills cool. has he lost you know i think he's if anything he's been he's been improving and working on his craft that's a good point i was looking account, through so. uh high upside fantasies uh consensus rankings uh for for a little pet project i was doing for my home league and so thinking about these two guys uh the number that stuck out was jason dominguez and this is as high upsides um consensus rankings as of february 28th so it didn't really account for anything spring training related um as far as updates from other prospect lists, but Jason Dominguez, the consensus, and this is based off of, I'm going to say it was like, uh, if, if you guys don't know high upside fantasy, uh, consensus rankings using um, about, I want to say like five or six different, probably, actually it might be more than that, um, prospect rankings. So fantasy as well as in, in real life. So MLB.com, Fangraphs, uh, Fantasy 15 or Prospects 1500, to name a couple off the top of my head. Um, and it's, it's like three or four more that they're sourcing together um, to make the consensus rankings. And they end up, uh, uh, Chorio was five. So consensus kind of averaging that out and everything at five. Dominguez at 24. So when I saw this and I was thinking about, uh, when I saw this first, obviously off mic, we had our conversation where I was like, you do know what I mean by this. Like, I want to make sure if, if this is what you're playing your flag at, I, I want it, but I just want to make sure we're on the same page, which I just thought was funny. But thinking about how you just explained it, it, it almost kind of boggles my mind that he was 24. Like, it's kind of like, oh, maybe you should be even higher. Um, It's a really, it's a really good point. I mean, the the separated between Churio and Dominguez outside of the hype in of itself, I think is just that, that modicum of age. But from a skill set, I like how you put it, like what skills has he lost or what skills have been maybe um, proven not to be uh, uh, really there or what tools, let me put it that way, what tools have been shown not to yet translate into skills yet. And I don't think there is a an answer to that question yet. Uh, so if he did, yeah, if he does in a full season or, or mostly full season of double A, the same thing. Yeah, I, you're kind of convincing me. I'm kind of rolling it over. I mean, top five, like you said, top five at least, right? Um, and then we can kind of argue about the placement from there, but but yeah, I, I could right, say it. Right. Uh, Dominguez is so it's such fascinating, right? Because it was just it was like hype, super hype. No, he actually sucks. Like post hype, it's just like the cycle was like eighteen months, all everything packed together that we normally see for like a regular prospect over like a two and a half year span was like 18 months at best for for Dominguez whereas like now people are like actually I think he's underrated I actually think he should be rated higher it's crazy um but yeah I like this 
Uh, we're going to check our work. We're going to come back to this mid-season and definitely end the season just to see kind of where we're trending. So so it's out there. Um, Absolutely. We're, we're going to finish up. I know we kept you long, and I kind of anticipate this being a, a longer episode just because of how much we're talking about. But we're going to finish things off with uh, – with the big category, which is rookie of the year. Uh, so this is like write it in, write it in stone, chisel it in 10 commandment style. This is what we're saying. Uh, AL 2023 rookie of the year. I'm going to start. And it comes back to a guy that we mentioned earlier. I told you we're going to come back to him. I have Josh Young from Texas Rangers um, as my rookie of the year. Orioles fans. I'm, I'm still an Orioles fan. Like don't, don't make me turn in my card. I still am a fan. Hear me out. I don't think that Young is necessarily a better player than uh, Gunnar Henderson. Or even I said, I mean, Grayson Rodriguez is a hard comparison, right? Uh, hitter to pitcher. But you have to remember how rookie of the year tends to go. And it tends to go one of two ways. Either there's like a predetermined guy, which you could argue is Gunnar Henderson. I think somebody might be arguing that in like two seconds. Um, But also it can just be, a guy who has the best cumulative stats, like just counting stats overall. And I think Young has the power numbers specifically that he can put up a more impressive output of home runs, just really to get down to it, than Henderson. Uh, even if it is a more empty stat line, because the Rangers aren't going to be very good, and I think the Orioles will be okay at least, um, that I think that that'll swing, that'll swing voters. I think um, Henderson also, like, the vote will get split with him and Grayson. I think uh, um, his number, well, I don't want to step too much on, on your pick, Jake. I'm kind of giving it away. But um, I, I, I think the, the counting stats aren't necessarily going to be there in the same way that they're going to be for Jung. Um, and I think that could help him carry the day. And I think it could be one of those reflective ones that we look back and we're like, did we, did we give it to the right guy? Like, shouldn't it have been this other guy? Uh, which happens if you look through the history of Rookie of the Year. Uh, but just knowing how voters vote, uh, they they love seeing the stats. They love seeing the numbers. And I think Young's going to have them. So now that I've spoiled your pick, Jake, go ahead and tell them who you got. <laughs> yeah, so I figured, I mean, I had to go chalk for something, right? Uh, and that's Gunnar Henderson here. Um, you know, I think that just his his floor is so high. You know, I think even if he has some issues, maybe with the with the strikeout rate, he makes up for it with taking his walks, and he's a really you know patient hitter with a good eye. Um, and you said that he, you know, I I agree that I think Jung, or Young is going to hit more home runs, um, but I think Gunner can make up for it in. Um, I think they probably end up with similar OPSs, you know, because I think Gunner still has extra base power. He still he takes more walks, I think, um, and I think that he'll they'll end up kind of similar there. And then also with WAR, I think Gunner plays a more premium position. I think a little bit better. Um, well, that's also at, if the Orioles keep him at. It depends on where. Yeah, so yeah, he could be third base. You know, if they keep right. him at third, but um, then he's lined up with Young. If yeah. they move him to short, yeah. yeah. Then, but I think yeah. I still think he's a much. Yeah. I mean, he's a much better defender than Young. I think he could add some value there. Um, the counting stats likely won't be there because, like Young, you look at who's hitting in front of him in the lineup. These are established major league all stars. You know, compared to Baltimore, who still has some growing pains. You know, um, 
But I think that, you know, the batting average, I think people still love batting average for, true. you know, as That's much true. as I Gunner's don't. Gunner's going to have him beat there. Yeah. Gunner's going to have Young beat there. Yeah. Right. So, um, and like you said, like not necessarily like we think Jung is, or Young, I, why am I saying it now like that? Uh, we think Young is going to be necessarily the better player, but like, he, I think that like you said, like I can't argue with the fact that he's going to have better counting stats, you know? So, but yeah, I think Gunner can uh, contribute more holistically maybe he's a big part of like an orioles playoff yeah, team that it. gets a lot of yeah, hype garnered around it you know? i mean that's that's what happened right. last year with ali right it was like ali lost yeah. what two months of time essentially to julio julio gets and mm-hmm. it was julio had the hype ali had the hype i mean you know right julio was, carried them to right. the playoffs well, for the first time well in it wasn't years. just that right so if you look narratively they both have hype coming into the year julio starts it off um ali still he was coming off the injury and then they were holding him uh in, in triple a blah 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 um he loses about you know two months or so but comes up starts raking and it's like oh can he can he kind of catch up to julio is julio too far out julio gets hurt and then playoff push playoff push for the orioles playoff push for the mariners they're pretty much playing for the same playoff spot right because they're not going to win their division but they're in that uh, wild card spot and then yeah that narrative of those late uh those late inning games that the Mariners were winning um on, on the West Coast, those late night games, again, like you said, propelled them to the playoffs. So narratives like that definitely also help as well. And and that definitely falls on Gunner's side over Young, because I don't see the Rangers doing anything like that. Um and, and the Orioles still could potentially uh make or at least come close to making the playoffs again. So yeah, I, I think you, you said it's chalk, but I think it's it's you know pretty smart chalk out there. Uh, you also have a dark horse. I know we're getting a little bit long. We want to get to the NL, but you have a dark horse. You want to give a couple words to your dark horse um, pick for AL Rookie of the Year? Yeah, I think if anything, um, someone that can kind of come up is uh, Ken Waldachuk. Um, I think it's just because it's like opportunity and um, taking some strides forward from last year. I think he pitched uh, a little better than what we saw, and he ended the year with a really good start, a couple really good starts, and um, he has a spot in the rotation. Um, he could put up really good numbers, plays in a good ballpark. Um, and I think there's, you know, his kind of, um, pitching model, um, numbers think that he's a little bit better too. So real quick, kind of shout out to Waldeshuk there that I think he can make some noise. Cool. Like it. And now rookie of the year, uh, to finish up our podcast, uh, who do you got Jake? Uh, this is the last, uh, kind of big, uh, big category here. And it's also maybe the biggest uh, upset that I have. And that is Garrett Mitchell. Um, kind of the Corbin Carroll light profile, if you will. Um, and that's when kind of, I think who you're kind of directly having to compare to here. Um, and I don't necessarily, like you said, with, with young and, and uh, Gunner, I don't necessarily think that Mitchell is better than Carroll or will have a better career, but uh, you know, Mitchell has the opportunity. It looks like he's going to be the starting center fielder. He kind of had a hamstring uh, scare there for a minute, but it looks like he's all right now. And um he is a very similar tools as Corbin Carroll. He actually beat out Corbin Carroll in the best to have the best home plate the first base time in Major League Baseball last year. Yeah, um, Corbin Carroll, somebody faster than Corbin Carroll. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Carroll got him in sprint speed, but I, I like to look at home plate to first because that's a little bit better for stolen bases specifically. And Carroll got him beat by four one hundredths of a second, um, which is actually a decent margin, you know, at the top there. So. Um, so yeah, he's just as fast, if not faster than Corbin Carroll. So he can impact the game in that way. 
And um, he didn't show as much power as Carroll in the minors. You know, he didn't have as good ISO numbers or or home run outputs um, as Carroll did. But uh, you know, Carroll played in a little bit better environments. Um, and Mitchell has shown um, some decent um, hard hit balls in in the majors last year. He, like you mentioned earlier, they kind of brought him up because they were out of contention and like get him some at bats. And he hit the cover off the ball. Um, he had an insane bat up. I think it was like five something, five forty something that led to a three eleven batting average. So like that's not sustainable by any means. But um, he had a forty one percent hard hit rate, eleven point eight percent barrel rate. Um, now that's on four barrels out of thirty four batted balls. So like super small sample, but. Um, he came up and he hit connected really well. He showed he has a one Oh nine point nine max exit velocity in those 34 hits, which is, which is really good for a speedster, like fantastic for a speedster to almost hit one ten there. So, um, I think he could see more power than what we might expect from him based off minor league numbers because he came up and like he hit really well. And he you know made good contact. So, um, and you know then you look at Corbin Carroll who kind of underwhelmed in that sense. And we're looking at small samples here, so I'm not saying that Carroll is not as good of a power hitter. But you look kind of when you're comparing these two people that have very similar profiles, I think it should be closer than what it is. And I think that Mitchell has a chance to take advantage of maybe a, a slump, an extended slump by Carroll or. Um, you know, something like a loss of playing time or something like that, whoever, however it may happen. So I think he's kind of one that I see jumping forward. Um, and he's also, if like you mentioned gambling earlier, if you're a gambler, I saw um, Garrett Mitchell as high as 80 to one on a couple sites um, for rookie of the year. So um, I think, I mean, at that, especially at that value, I mean, like I, he has, I think the tools to make impacts on all aspects of the game, be an elite center field defender and um, really just like tear it up for the Brewers. So um so yeah, I like uh, Garrett Mitchell there as like a nice little sleeper pick, and um, yeah, I think I'll plant my flag there and see how it goes. Sounds good. Um, obviously, like I don't know, I don't know what the what the what the FCC SEC rules are around talking about gambling. We're not a gambling pod. We're just saying in general. Okay, that's my caveat. I don't know. Um, here's my pick: Rookie of the Year for the NL, uh, Miguel Vargas. I'm not even a huge Miguel Vargas fan. Uh, I almost didn't pick him. I was like, oh, I, I got to go chalk here, Corbin Carroll. And I thought about it. I was like, oh, Dodgers prospect, possible rookie of the year. Yeah, that kind of has a track record. And then I started looking through. Um, 2020, Devin Williams wins rookie of the year. Uh, Tony Gonsolin and Dustin May finish fourth and fifth. 2018, uh, Ronald Cunha Jr. wins, but Walker Bueller uh, finishes third. 2017, Cody Bellinger wins. Cody, uh, 2016, Corey Seager wins. 2015, Jock Peterson finishes sixth, which actually seemed kind of a low finish when you looked at his numbers. But again, batting average, I think that really killed him. Um, 2013, uh, Puig and Ryu finish second and fourth, respectively. 2011, Kenley Jansen finishes seventh. And then if you get into the, if you know anything about your 90s history, you know that the run that the Dodgers had as far as uh, consecutive rookie of the years. Um, it, it's ridiculous. If you don't know, go look that up. It's crazy. The point is this. If the Dodgers have a prospect that could come anywhere close to being on the rookie of their ballot, they're going to get votes at least. And there's a pretty decent chance that they're going to finish um, very well. So I think Vargas is good enough. Uh, it seems like he's going to be second base, but probably be getting moved around. I think he'll get enough plate appearances. Uh, and I think he'll put up a good enough stat line um, that I think he could, he could carry this. I, I think everybody's looking at Corbin Carroll. 
um, and, and looking at him to light it up. And I think Corbin Carroll is a, a phenomenal um, player. But I think Vargas is going to be in the lineup. He's going to be in the limelight a bit more because Dodgers are going to be pushing to win their division yet again. They're going to be battling against San Diego specifically, uh, going to be in a playoff race. So that's going to give them some spotlight as there uh, as well there. Uh, and I'm just not going to vote. I'm not going to vote against uh, uh, a Dodgers prospect in every year of the year contest. It's like um, going against China in the, in the land war or battling Sicilian with death is on the line. I'm not going to do it. Um, so with that said, those are our picks. Uh, hold us to them. We're going to check in mid-year, end the year, see how we did. Uh, as always, like to let um, folks know that this podcast can be found on uh, and all of our pod, uh, picture list pods can be found on the picture list podcast uh, page. They're all available on the podcast section of picture list for you to find, listen, and subscribe. Uh, one quick heads up as far as articles to um, that are going to be published. The MILB player and pitcher of the week column that I had last year has been renamed it is now the prospect watch list it will be kicking off on april 18th it'll be coming to you every tuesday jake do you have anything for the regular season that will be weekly or daily or what yeah so i will be writing the the pitchers the stash weekly article um i started that uh in the off season i did the top 25 starting pitchers the stash and so i'm just gonna be continuing that and it'll be publishing every saturday um, so look for that. I'll be doing that and, um, you know, looking forward to kind of continue the work I already started and, um, you know, highlight some names to, to stash in your rotations. Sounds good. As always, you can find me on Twitter at inside fastball, capital I, capital F. And you can find me on Twitter at Jake Mache, M-A-I-S-H. With that, enjoy the rest of your day.